Man, enjoy that worship this morning. Give God around the glory this morning. Give him a round of applause, man. God is good. My name is Terry Pierce. I have the wonderful privilege of being the lead pastor here at Connect Church, and we are in a sermon series. We will finish this up next Sunday. Remind you that we will have one service only. Won't really affect any of you all that are here at 1030 uh, if uh, you just show up next week at 1030. But for our nine o'clock crowd, one service only next Sunday. I'll be finishing the final message in this sermon series called God With Us. And so you don't want to miss that. Uh, we're going to cover 80 verses uh, through this uh, series of sermons. Uh, and not next week, but just we'll finish up uh, with the last 20. But anyway, this morning, uh, we are continuing in this sermon series, God With Us. And any serious study of Jesus' birth merits an accurate understanding of who Mary, the mother of the Christ child, really is. And I, I fear that we have really misplaced our perspective on, or even our understanding of who Mary really is. Because of the artist's brush, because of the sculptor's chisel, because of the author's pen, or because of preacher's imaginations, and certainly added to all this confusion, has been the dogma teaching of the Catholic Church about who Mary really is. And they have argued that Mary has perpetual virginity, that it was beginning and ending. Um, mm, wrong on that one. They also argue that Mary never had any other children. And the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus had other brothers. And finally, they teach that Mary should be prayed to because she did not succumb to death and that she was sinless. And again, three strikes and you're out because the Bible teaches us something different. And that's one end of the spectrum. And I believe that a careful biblical scholarship that understands Mary's role in all of this story, here's what I believe that we're going to find this morning. That Mary relates to ordinary people. Mary was not the spectacular one. Mary is just an ordinary girl who God reaches down into the midst of her an anonymity and he raises her up. You know, when the text that we'll read here in a minute says that she's highly favored, that's sort of where proponents of the theories that I just gave you take and land on that, but they misinterpreted the text. When the Bible tells us that Mary was highly favored, it is not because she was this perfect person. It means in the sovereignty of God that he just reached down to an ordinary person and in his sovereignty, just like he called some of you all to sing, he called some of you all to work with the children in the nursery, and he called some of you all to just whatever you do. Uh, he called some of us to preach, but it's not our call. Am I any better of a Christian? Am I any better of a person because I stand and preach in a pulpit? Absolutely not. The highly favor is not on me. The highly favor is God's sovereignty just gives us different roles. And Mary was highly favored because God chose her in her ordinary circumstances to be used by him. 
And I think that helps us out a lot because I think it gives us hope uh, to realize that, man, he wants to use all of us. And we're going to learn about Mary that uh, not only was she this ordinary person, but she met an unusual visitor in her life. Mary meets an angel. And then she goes to her cousin's house. She tells them what's happened. And Elizabeth begins the discipleship process in her life. She begins to disciple Mary for three months. And they celebrate how unlikely that God would choose them. Well, speaking of angels, have you ever met an angel? Ladies, I am so sorry. Every one of you husbands, you morons, should have raised your hand and going, I'm sitting next to an angel this morning. Where are you guys at? And by the way, if you're not sitting next to your spouse, things really just got awkward. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so, uh, uh, and if you're sitting next to your buddy and your buddy raised his hand that he was sitting next to an angel. You may want to put a Bible between you. I'm just saying, but anyway, uh, so just saying, uh, so there you go, good call, dude. Uh, and so just saying, but anyway, um, when, you think about, <laughs> when you think about an angel speaking to you, uh, have you ever spoken to an angel? Go ahead, Bobby, tell us. What's it like to speak to an angel? His wife's name's Angel. Anyway, so all right, uh, so <laughs> good answer, Bobby goes. It's wonderful. All right, anyway, uh, so uh, good, good answer, dude. So we, we, we think about what it would be like to speak to an angel, and Mary has a big surprise from an angel. Not only does she get to speak to an angel, but honestly, um, I mean, it doesn't get any crazier than this. This angel's going to tell her, you're not going to believe this, but here's what I'm telling you is going to happen in your life. I'm predicting this is what's going to happen in your life. And Mary just is like, wow. And she just does something that we all don't do well. She just believed him. Do you know that we live in a society and maybe you're really your personality type? Now, some of you all are like, oh, yeah, everything's great. Uh, but most of us, we don't do well with predictions and big announcements in our life. So I, I Googled this, and I want to come up with seven most missed predictions of big things in people's lives. Number one, in 1903, cars, uh, one of the politicians that ran our government said, cars are just a fad. By 1930, we'll go back to horses. Pretty sure that guy was a Baptist. You know, we're not changing. Well, we're going to ride horses to church. Anyway, sorry. In 1906, in the future, everything they predicted would be made out of steel, and then we would develop this little thing called plastic. Even our cars are plastic. In 1892, this is one of my favorites, lawyers. I really want to land there, but I'm going to take the high road, Alan. So anyway, lawyers told investors, ignore electricity. No one will ever use it. Good call. Now, this is another... <laughs> interesting one. In 1950s, scientists predicted that by the year 2000, most women would be giants. <laughs> all right, Belen and Ann, you all stand up and prove them wrong. So anyway, <laughs> uh, Michelle, what are you laughing at? You're not, all right. Uh, so uh, most women are not giants. We get that. Uh, in 1951, sociologists predicted that the future 
inside of all homes, ladies, you're going to love this, would just be cleaned by turning on your water hose, and this is how you would clean your house. They missed that one as well. That would have been a great idea, though. 1950s physicians predicted that we would live forever by the turn of the century. COVID, anyway, uh, pandemic, but anyway, so they missed that one as well. And then my favorite one, in 1876, the president of Western Union Telegraph predicted that using a personal phone would never catch on. And this morning, we have 247 personal phones sitting in this room. One of you all left it after first service and is missing, and you're going to die. All right, anyway, so uh, they totally missed that prediction, obviously. Well, the truth of the matter is, in your spiritual life and in your journey with God, you would do so much better off if you would learn to just agree with God when he says stuff that sounds crazy to you, when God asks you to do a campaign to pay a church off in seven years, you just do what God's called you to do, your role, your part in it. The angel Gabriel makes an incredible prediction, and the angel tells Mary, you're pregnant. I know you're a virgin, but you're going to have a baby, and you're going to name him Jesus. And now Mary has to deal and respond to this crazy prediction in our life. And there's another reason we want to study the character of Mary this morning. And we need to understand that God just chose to smile on this woman from Nazareth, an unknown girl. She's scared to death. The angel appears to her. And have you ever thought about her circumstances and how she responded to this? Here she is saying, I have no business having an angel speak to me. I think there's a reason that we've misunderstood Mary. I think some of y'all can relate to Mary. Does any of you this morning, just to be honest, you struggle with your own insecurities? How many of you are, I like to sit in the back of a room I'm the person who does not like to be on stage. Man, I just want to slide in, and I want anybody to notice that I'm here. When we ask you to come pray at the altar this morning, you're like, uh, you know, I mean, you just, it just totally wigs you out. You're just not an upfront person. Maybe you can relate to Mary, because I think she's sort of back in the room, sitting in the back girl. Nobody noticed her. Some of you are like Mary in the role that you're playing in your life that, man, uh, when you grew up as a kid, (laughs) you were that kid, bless your heart, that nobody ever picked you. When it came to dodgeball, uh, when it came to basketball, when it came to using scissors. (laughs) Uh, Nobody picked you on their team. I mean, you were just the last person chose when there was that kid that nobody talked to that ate boogers and glue at school. They got picked over you. You were just that kid that never got chosen. And uh, man, you could relate to Mary because you're just the last person on earth. Matter of fact, you're that person that this holiday season, when you play Dirty Santa, you lost. I mean, how can you do it every year? You never get the good gift because you just, you're a loser. Uh, Anyway, and so you just relate to Mary that it just, man, that's who you are. And so I got great news for you today. The The character of Mary's worth studying because she connects with all of us that are B-teamers. 
We like to use the phrase around here that what God is doing at Connect Church is he's just raising up a bunch of B-teamers to give him the glory of what's happening through this church and this community. But here's the difference between you and Mary. Is you need to come to realize that when the angel says all things are possible with God, and hear me this morning, because some of you all frustrate the living daylights out of me, before you go post another meme that somehow is going to make you a spiritual person, that all things are possible with God, you've never learned what happened next. It's not just posting those words or saying those words. Mary responded by believing that and saying, let it be to me according to your word. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning, that is the title of our message this morning. Let it be to me according to your word. Turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1 this morning, and we're going to unpack uh, these next 30 verses this morning and, and help you guys realize the key to knowing that all things are possible with God is to let it be to me, our response to what God has declared in our hearts and lives. Now catch this this morning before we read the text today. It was Mary's willingness, Mary's willingness to serve when the angel came to her that makes Mary so special. Not who she is. Did you hear me this morning? And by the way, look at me real quick. Man, I love our teens. Love what Andrew and the leadership and discipleship of our leaders are doing in these guys' lives. But could you imagine dads in the room this morning? Bible scholarship tells us that when Gabriel appeared to her, she was probably, best estimates, maybe 15 years of age. Could you imagine, Grant? Could you imagine a 15-year-old girl being given this responsibility and asked to do this. And you think about where you're at. What would you say? This girl, 15, believes in God and just says, let it be to me according to your word. I want to be more like Mary. Would you stand with me this morning as we unpack the character of Mary? And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God from a city of Galilee and Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, and of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at his saying, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said unto her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age also conceived a son. And in the sixth month with her, who was called barren, for nothing, you want to underline this, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, 
Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And in those days, Mary arose with haste into the hill country into a town of Judea. And she entered into the house of Zechariah, greeting Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of the womb. And why is and this granted to me that the mother of the Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my, uh, my ears, my baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. You may be seated. Perhaps no event issues more intimately associated with the will of God and his sovereignty in our life than the conception of a child. Like most of us in our life, most matters in our life, we have some control over the, over the birth of a kid. We understand birth control, fertility treatments, but none of those things are 100% effective. We would all agree here this morning. We understand today that the miracle of life, of a baby being born, comes from Almighty God. Amen. And this is why we believe so much in the sanctity of the unborn child. Because we believe in the dignity that is beyond our control of what God does in the birth of a child. And the same can be said for most issues in our life. With various levels of degree, you realize that you are not in control. You realize you're not in control. You may have a job, but trust me, uh, you're not in control. You may be married. Trust me, you're not in control. Uh, you have children. And my, my kid, I remember those famous sayings. Well, my kid, when they grow up, they're going to do this and we're going to do that. And you realize when they come along, heck no, man, man, we're just trying to survive. Amen. Can I get a witness, mom and dads, grandparents? We realize, and we think that somehow that, you know, we fr we're frustratingly trying to figure this thing out. Can I give you some theology to help you figure this out? Because I think that so many of you have left, the Christ have left Christianity, you've left faith, because you, you thought, well, if I did everything right, I lined up A, B, and C, then my life would go well. This is the theology, and we're bringing theology into the text today that you're missing. And I want you to write it down, because this is where we're going to launch from. This is the difference between Mary and us. And write this down. For all of our ingenuity and difference, we will experience circumstances we did not choose. I want you to let that sink in. I don't care what personality spectrum you have. If you're pie in the sky or you believe everything's bad, you need to understand this is true. This is where you center yourself. For all of our ingenuity and diligence, we will experience circumstances we did not choose. Either because of evil, because Satan wants to hurt us, or just because God allowed these things into our life where God intervened. Therefore, now look at me this morning. 
This is the foundation that you build your life up. You all are miserable. You all are frustrated. You all are not missing the mark. You're trying to be happy, and you're not getting there. And the reason is you have not accepted the fact that we're just in a sucky situation in this season of our life. Or we're in a good season of our life. Shut up and enjoy it, preacher. Whatever your personality type is, you learn that this is the season that I'm in in my life, but God's with me, so it's okay. I may not like it. It may be frustrating, but it's okay, not because I'm trying to be positive, but because God is with me in the negative. So the key is you have to learn to adjust. And some of you really stink at this. You're not good at adjusting to the mess we call our lives. Mary has a shocker. An angel appears to her and says, you're going to give birth to the Christ child. There's no spin you can put on that that doesn't blow your mind. Are you with me this morning? The key was she adjusted, and this was her adjustment. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary's character believed that God would walk with her in this journey. Now, I want to give you a little bit more deeper theology today because I want to help you all that are walking through seasons of your life that, man, how do I remember this? I text Kathy Hallmark this yesterday, just a reminder that I'm praying for. Remember the things of God. And here's what I want to remind you guys today as you walk through seasons of your life. Folks, we've got to remember who Jesus really is. And this is what Gabriel says, and I don't have time to unpack all of it. In verses 30 through 33, this is the theology that the angel Gabriel will say to Mary. And so let me give it to you quickly. You want to write this down, and I want to encourage you to go back and look this up this week because this will bless your heart. This is what you need to remember. Number one, she will conceive and bear a son. Every Hebrew woman with this news comes great joy. The legacy of the Messiah will come through this announcement. And part of this announcement was, is that the angel tells Mary, you're going to call his name, what? Jesus. Do you all know what the name Jesus means in Hebrew? Some of you all taught Sunday school know. The name Jesus in Hebrew is what? Joshua. But do you know what Joshua means in Hebrew? God saves God says, that is the name of Jesus. Number two, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high, the angel tells Mary. Every mom, and now look at me, every mom in here loves your baby. Every grandma, you love your baby. And man, there's this, and, and you all know what it says. Y'all know what you all think. Man, when your baby's born, uh, Belen's sort of famous for saying, you know, she's told you over the years, she goes, you know, people come up and say, uh, oh, that baby's beautiful. And Belen will say, you know, there's some babies that aren't beautiful. They're just ugly. <laughs> and, and so, but every mom uh, says that, you know, our baby, and we all believe it because your baby's special, and we get that, and that's true. Every mom believes that your kid is going to be the greatest kid that ever lived the face of the earth. Could you imagine how Mary must have felt when the angel said to her, your son is going to be the son of most high? Well, that takes it to a whole new level. Wow. But how many times, and you moms can relate to this this morning, and I think it'll make you smile. How many times did those words come back to her? When Jesus at a wedding 
And she's embarrassed, Mary is, that they've run out of wine. And the son of the most high turns water into wine. Don't you think she smiled and remember the words of Gabriel? Your son will be the son of most high. When she saw a little crippled kid that was walking down and she saw all of these things and she saw Jesus reach down and touch that crippled boy's body and he threw down his crutches and he walked. Don't you think, Miss Marie, that that mom in her mind goes, my boy's the son of the Most High. And one day, when his best friend was dead in a tomb, and Jesus, with weeping and sorrow, said, Lazarus, come forth from the tomb that Mary in the background was going, that's my boy. That is truly the Son of the Most High. You need to remember who Jesus is. Number three, he will be given the throne of David. In the text, verses 30 through 33, it says the expression, the Son of God, it has a royal significance as his fulfillment of the Old Testament. He will give legitimacy to the history of Israel. In other words, this is the lineage of David, another king. And that line has come. Number four, he will be the Hebrew Messiah. Gabriel would reveal to Mary the most amazing news of all, that all of those predictions, 500 and some odd prophecies from 2 Samuel 7 to Jeremiah 23, that all pronounced and predicted that one day, you ain't all going to believe this, but one day God is going to send a Messiah. All of the Old Testament comes together and is fulfilled in the prediction of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is truly the Messiah that the Bible said he would be. And number five, his kingdom. Oh, this is good. It's my favorite one. His kingdom will endure forever. It is a constant theme, and this is why you need to bring your backside back to church to connect church, because we're going to be preaching in 2022 the rest of the gospel of Luke, and what we're going to tell you every Sunday, that God has a plan for your life. Y'all been missing it, but God has a plan for your life, and we're going to help you figure it out, and he'll give you a better life. And here's why God wants you to figure it out and have a better life. Because I got news for you. This ain't our home. The kingdom of God endures forever. Are y'all with me this morning? Y'all realize the Connect Church? The reason we want to invest and the testimony and a witness to this church for the future. Because I got news for you. 2,000 years after this was predicted, Connect Church is here today because the kingdom of God will endure forever. I want to be a part of that. So folks, we don't lose. We don't lose. You can't stop us. The kingdom of God endures forever. I hurt myself again on this point. All right. Oh, well, yeah. Y'all know what your problem is? I've been waiting for this part of the message. <laughs> y'all know what your problem is? I've been wanting to say that to some of y'all for a long time. Y'all know what your problem is? Well, good, because I'm going to tell you. Your problem is, is y'all keep forgetting who Jesus is. And, and, and here's what happens in your life. Y'all know how y'all do. You quit reading your Bible. Good grief. We give you on a silver platter how to study your Bible. We give you a hear journal. 
method to use every, all of us should be reading our Bible. We make it, whew, I almost got in trouble here, but we make it so simple. <laughs> that no matter what county you're from, uh, you can figure this out. And, and so, because uh, we, we got folks coming from five different counties now, I better be careful. But anyway, because uh, we want you to still come. So here's the thing. Even in Mississippi, we make it easy. All you got to do is pick up the little paper and follow along with us and read and spend five minutes in the Word of God and all of us on the same page. But you all know what you all do. You don't do it. And then you all are really secret and spiritual about it. So not only do you feel guilty about not doing your hair journals like you should be doing, you all quit praying because you feel guilty about not reading the Word and you're like, if I don't talk to Jesus then maybe he won't find out I ain't been reading my Bible. He knows! No secrets! And so we get into this guilt train that we're not doing our hear journals, and we're like two months behind, so we just quit, and we don't pray like we should because we feel guilty because we're not doing the hear journals, and the ball-headed preacher yells at us every week about this stuff. And so, so all of this guilt just keeps piling on, and what do we do? Further and further away, we get away from God. Y'all tracking with me? Y'all look at me because y'all know y'all living it. And so we get further away from God and all the time. And, and you know what eventually it leads to is y'all quit. Y'all quit reading your Bibles. You quit discipleship. You're not hanging out and discipling other people. And all the while, and you say, well, my mess of my life and my circumstances. And all the while, the chaos in your life is caused by the devil. The devil, who wants to keep you away from a relationship with God? Who wants to keep you away from discipleship? Who wants to keep you away from small group? Who wants to keep you away from the Word? Because guess what, Mark? If he gets you to forget who Jesus is and the power of him to change your circumstances in your life, he'll get you to quit. And you all got to decide, I'm not listening to the liar anymore. I'm going to get back into the Word. I'm going to get back to prayer. I'm going to get my backside back to church because I need Jesus. And here's what he'll do for you. This is what he wants to do in your life. He wants to show you and reveal that he wants a relationship with you. Do you know who Jesus is? We just sang about it. Wasn't that good? Do you know my Jesus? Man, it, was that not good? I mean, I love that. And uh, man, wow, Anna was ripping into it. And so, so who, do you know who my Jesus is? Can I tell you about who my Jesus is? Let me illustrate to you this way this morning. Y'all ready? Whew, been a long year, a difficult year. Preaching another funeral today. I'm tired of funerals. But in July, I buried one of my best friends I've ever had on planet Earth. And chairman of our deacon board, David Mills. But I'm not going to ever stop talking about him because he's alive and he's in heaven. And one day, David and I, many years ago, uh, when he was running Pepsi here in Tupelo, he called me up and he said, Preacher, would you like to go? Uh, I got a VI pass because I'm with Pepsi. Pepsi, uh, they sponsor the Grizzlies. And he said, would you like to go to an NBA game to watch the Memphis Grizzlies? And uh, would you like to go with me? And I said, well, let me pray about it. Okay, Yes. And I told Belen, <laughs> anyway, uh, and so I went to the Memphis Grizzlies game uh, with David, and uh, I said, do you want me to drive? 
And he wasn't stupid, Mark, and he said no, and, you know, for a number of reasons. But, uh, but he said, no, you can't drive. He said, it has to be in my vehicle because he said, preacher, I hate to tell you this, but they don't care about who you are. You're nobody. I'm the VIP of this deal. He said, I work for Pepsi. Pepsi's given me the VIP. You're not the VIP. I am. And so you hang out with me today, and we'll go places, but it can't be nothing about you. And so David carries me to, uh, to Memphis, and he, and he pulls in, and he says, now, because we're in my car, you're going to watch this. We're going to pull into the VIP parking because I have the VIP pass. I'm the one that Pepsi recognizes, and you get to hang on to my coattails because it's me. And so sure enough, we're sitting in the car, and we pull into the Memphis Grizzlies, and they usher us into where the players park at. We're watching folks like, this is where Kobe parks at. This is where the Memphis Grizzlies park at. I mean, this is the players are coming in, and I'm going, ooh, now we're there. I said, mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we're in the VIP parking, and the players are coming in, and uh, because David was the VIP from Pepsi. And then uh, he says, watch this. And he says, you got to hang with me, though. You can't wander off. And I'm going, I'm going to go talk. He says, no, 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 you got to hang with me because they'll throw you out of this place. You ain't nobody. And so David said, you got to hang with me. And so we walked into the building. I'm like, man, I ain't ever seen this part. I've been to dozens and dozens of Memphis Grizzlies games. I ain't ever seen this part of the building. And because of who David was, the VIP, they carry us into the special elevator. And I'm going, we're fixing to get kicked out of here and get arrested. This is, what the, this is where the players go in at. And sure enough, they ushered us in, and, and, and we got to go through. And then David said, hang on, it gets better. He said, because I'm a VIP with Pepsi, they're having a banquet. And he said, you get to go into the lounge, and we get to eat. And, and I'm like, oh, yeah, now you're talking my language. <laughs> yeah. And, and so he said, but you understand. Uh, and, and so I'm going immediately to preacher mode, Wayne. And so I'm not like, well, how much is this going to cost? Because, you know, man, I don't make that much money. Uh, and so I said, you know, they got any hot dogs? And, uh, and he said, would you stop thinking like a Baptist preacher? He said, I'm the Pepsi VIP. It ain't costing you a dime. Because you're with me, you can eat whatever you want. Man, they had lobster and they had all kind of stuff. And we ate and ate. And, and, and I'm telling you, it was incredible. And all of it was free. And then he said, it gets better than this. And I go, what's better than this, man? I'm in a Memphis Grizzlies game. I done, my belly's full. I could drink all the Pepsi I wanted. I never said the word Coke. But David said, because you're with me. He said, watch this. And they escorted us. A dude in a suit escorted us down a private elevator, Pepsi VIP, and took us onto the floor. And the only time in my life I sat on the second row of an NBA game right underneath the basket. I was so close to my dream because I really should have been on the floor. But I had a few issues and so, and anyway, I almost said something I really would have got fired over. Anyway, I, and so, and so, but anyway, and so my dream, I mean, I'm like, I'm just sitting there with my mouth hanging open. I'm on the second row. I'm so close to the players, they're sweating on me, and I'm like, whoa, this is awesome. And then, lo and behold, one of the players missed a shot, the ball bounces into the second row, and guess who catches it? I got the game ball, the NBA logo, Jerry West, my hero, it's on it, I'm holding the ball, and the referee, it's on TV, 
And the referee goes, and he looks at me, and he goes, you know, give me the ball back. we got to go on the game. And I go, no. <laughs> Heck no. Come get it, big boy. I'm VIP with David. And he says, sir, you know, and he looks at me, we have to have, that's not yours. And, we have, and so I do, Tony, what only I can do, what that referee didn't understand. NBA referee on TV, he didn't understand. I ain't ever passed anything in my life. I've never passed a ball in my life. I shoot. That's all I do is I shoot. So I literally went into full B form. I've got my balance, my elbow, um, you know, my eyes fixed on the goal, my follow through. And man, I fixed to launch it and the referee yells at me. He says, sir, if you shoot that, you will be thrown out of this game. And I go, here. <laughs> I just still couldn't pass it. I just handed it to him because I didn't know how to pass. And I said all that to say this. Oh, by the way, when the game was over, you ever watch these new commercials? My kids, I hate my kids. When they were home at Thanksgiving, all my grown kids, they go, Dad, you've got to watch these. I don't even know what the company is, the morons that come up, but they make fun of old people and, the, you know, that we talk and we, you know, we sell, so when they're airport and all, you ever seen those commercials make fun of the old people? And my kids go, that's you, Dad. I go, shut up. Your mama brought you in this world and we'll take you out. And so... I look at David and I go, man, we got to leave at the end of the third quarter because, you know, the crowd, we got to get out of here. Are you the old people? And so uh, David looks at me and he goes, would you just stop it? He said, because we're VIP. He said, they're going to escort us out of private elevator. And while everybody else is standing in line, we're going to shoot out. And we sure did. And we went home before everybody else. And I said all that to say this. What you all are missing out on, what your problem is, is you all have forgotten who God is. You have forgotten that he has redeemed you and saved you from your sins. The reason the devil wants you to quit reading your Bible, he wants you to quit your discipleship group, he wants you to get out of a connect group, the reason the devil doesn't want you to listen to a bald-headed guy yell at you every Sunday is because the devil knows if you remember whose you are, if you remember who has bought you and paid for you and can give you the victory and the hope and the help over death, hell, and the grave, he knows if you remember you cannot be stopped. And so this morning, may we be like Mary and remember who God is. And may our response, our adjustment to who God is, let it be to me, let it be to me according to your word. Amen? And so this morning, that's the message that God has for you. And now we're going to put a whole new spin for those of you who irritate me by putting on your social media post, stuff like verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God, and then you just leave it there, and like somehow magically that's going to make your life better. You're missing the whole reason why you're still empty and frustrated, because you forget the next phrase. And Mary said, behold, I'm just a servant of the Lord. It's her response to her circumstances. Let it be to me according to your word. Folks, you're never going to know that God can do the impossible in your life until you become obedient. You hear me this morning? You're never going to know that God can do the impossible until you become obedient to let it be to me according to your word.
And when Mary did this, listen to her response to God. Verse 46. And this is what I want you to study today. I want you to take this home. And I think if you will do what Mary did, you'll realize that this is how glorious, this will be your praise this way. I hope you all, I challenge you to read this text again. But let me read it to you one more time. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. She says this to Elizabeth after Elizabeth had discipled her. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He shows strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud to the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and he has exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to the fathers to Abraham and his offspring forever. Let it be to me according to your word was Mary's testimony. I want to leave you with two takeaways and we're going to be doing this real quick. You got it right fast. Number one, here's how this becomes active in your life. This is the adjustment that God wants you to make to your circumstances. Number one, regardless of your circumstances, remember that God is in control. Regardless of your circumstances, remember that God is in control. Your testimony this morning is simply this. This is what Mary teaches us. I will trust in him. Let it be to me, according to your word. This makes no sense, God. And here's what God will show you. Pastor Rick Warren suggests these things, and I want to give them to you very quickly this morning. Can I walk you through a little Bible for just a second? Can you give me two minutes? Let me do this real quickly this morning. Here's some theology. This ties all of the Bible theology into a practical application in your life. This is what this is what the devil doesn't want you to believe in. Number one, uh, power over quality. What Mary understood is that in her circumstances, to trust God meant that she believed in the power over quality. When Jesus turned the water into wine, no matter what the situation was, Jesus turned the water into wine, gave Mary at that wedding moment a better quality of life. Would you not agree? Jesus wants to give you a better quality of life. The power over distance. You realize that there was a nobleman that came to Jesus one day and he said, my son is sick and he lives way far away. Can you come? And Jesus says, I don't have to worry about that. I can do that healing right here, right now. I'm telling you, my parents live in Illinois. I got a son that lives in North Carolina. Y'all got to quit letting distance try to rob you of your joy and relationship with God. My God, overcomes the distance in your hearts and in your lives. The power over time. There was a man who was by, by the pool of Bethesda for 40 years. He sat there as a crippled man and couldn't get into the water. You know how many times he had to wonder, is I ever going to get help? My God is a power over time. And then one day, Jesus comes, and I'm telling you, he changes the man's life. Y'all got to wait on God. You got to learn to wait on God. But I promise you, he will show up. There's a, pro a power over quantity. Do you remember there was 5,000 people that were hungry and starving one day? And Jesus said, y'all break out the little boy's fish and watch what happens 
happens after I pray. And Jesus fed all of the people. I don't care how deep your hole is. I don't care how much you feel like you're underwater. you got to know this morning, my God is able to take care of the quantity of your need. The power over nature. One of my favorite ones is whenever a storm came up on the Red Sea, I came up on the Sea of Galilee, and the disciples were in the boat, and Jesus just walks on water. I'm telling you, even nature bows before my God and my King. The power over misfortune. I think about the little boy that was born, and, and, and he was you know, born, and he had the disease, and he was blind. And, and the people, and the people, well, why did that little kid have uh, you know, such a terrible handicap in his life? Did they sin? And Jesus says, no, no, no. Y'all quit worrying about the misfortune. I'm here to change that kid's destiny today. You need to know my God can overcome misfortune. Do you know that everybody in Kentucky, Tennessee, and Arkansas, and Illinois this morning is realizing that when the sun came up this morning, that God's church and God's people are there to love on them, and God overcomes the misfortune in our lives. And he gives the power over death. His best friend, Lazarus, laid in a tomb, and Jesus spoke the words, come forth. I'm telling you this afternoon, James, Death is not the final word of Diane, of Bob, both Bobs, David, in your life, in mine. I'm going to see him again. Jesus gives us power over death. Number two, faith is a decision and not a feeling. Now look at me this morning. Y'all getting crazy, freaked out, and wanting to quit over your circumstances. How in the flip do you think Mary felt at 15? Are you getting this? Mary refused to let her feelings dictate her future. Faith is a decision, not a feeling. When you learn to respond to your circumstances with let it be to me according to your word, then God's going to give you victory. I asked our staff this week to um, Friday as we did our prayer time, and I shared, and I just, and this is what we do. We do planning, but we really just spend time pouring into the team. And uh, this is what discipleship looks like. This is why you need to have your backside in a discipleship group. And so we do discipleship even in our staff meetings. And so I asked the guys to go around the room, and I just said, let's, before we pray over you guys in the service today, uh, what's God doing in your life? This is discipleship. What's God doing in your life right now? And one after another began to share the testimony. And here's how cool it was, and this is the word for you all today as we wrap this up. Tanner started us off, and he just said, you know, man, we've been in this season, and we got 18 kids in our house, and, and now Samuel, and... And um, he said, you know, I've got the worship night tonight and, and you know, I'm just going to sing at the funeral this afternoon. And so he said, I got all this, you know, just chaos in my life. But he said, what God has spoken into my life this season, Brother Terry, is that it's okay. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't all have to go off like I want it to. You do the best you can. And God's in control. And then we went to Andrew, and Andrew's been freaking out all year because they had a second kid, and they weren't planning on it, and, and, you know, paying stuff off, and he's, you know, I don't know where he gets that crap from, but he's like, you know, I'm worried about my finances and all this stuff, and I've got to have a plan, and he said, my life's been totally turned upside down by little baby Owen, 
everything's went, you know, sideways as far as what our dreams were. But he said, and with a smile on his face, but my youth group's had the biggest year I've ever had. I'm enjoying ministry in my life more than ever before. And Ashlyn and I are still above water and we're here today. He said, I've just learned that God is in control when I'm not. And then Taylor shared. And Taylor just shared, you know, we got two kids now and we've been through the whole thing. And she goes, you know what I decided this year? I'm not going to be doing this whole thing that our generation does, that we have to post on social media 40 pictures of how great our Christmas was and how cool our kids are. And Taylor said, flip that. I just want to enjoy Jesus this year. I want to slow down, quit trying to kill myself and to keep up with every other young couple in our church or in our community. And I just want to enjoy my kids this year and be thankful that God's allowed me to do this job. And then I shared my testimony from last Sunday of how I screwed up and how worried I was about all this stuff. And God's message for me is I'm in control. Just shut up, Terry, and enjoy it. <laughs> and how the response of the altar's filling. And after song after song, y'all just kept coming, realizing, let it be to me. Let it be to me according to your word. Shall we stand? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.